Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, a very warm welcome to uh, LCBC on a very warm evening. Uh, it's great that you're able to, uh, to be with us here uh, in present, uh, in, 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 what does somebody say? IRL, in real life. Uh, it's great that we're able to gather together uh, IRL, and also it's great that we have uh, people watching uh, online. I want to ha- have a, uh, send a special shout-out to Samantha's mum and dad, Mike and Sheila, uh, who are watching online. Also, Tenabu, uh, who's watching in Senegal, uh, and Lisa, who is in Canada, uh, flying at the moment with the Red Cross to fires in Canada, and she'll be watching uh, later. So uh, a very warm welcome to, uh, to you uh, online as well. Uh, if you're here this evening visiting, uh, please do grab Colin, Neil or myself after the service to say hello. It'd be great to, uh, uh, to get to know you uh, a little bit better. Uh, and this evening's service, as I'm sure you know, is a service of baptism. Uh, Samantha will be baptised, a public declaration of the faith that she has in what God has done for her in and through the Lord Jesus. And it's great that her family uh, and her friends have come along this evening so that they can support her uh, together with uh, members of the LCBC church family as well. Uh, This evening, Colin's going to be speaking to us about the hope that we have uh, in the Lord Jesus as he unfolds Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14, and helps us to see the hope uh, that we have in Jesus and what that means for all of us uh, today. And after Colin has preached, uh, we will then baptise Samantha down in the baptistry. Uh, When the time comes, if you're sitting where you can't see, uh, there'll be time to gather around uh, the baptistry there uh, to take a clear uh, and close look as as, uh, Samantha is baptised. And if you're viewing online, uh, there'll be a flick in the camera angle so you'll be able to see what's uh, going on there as well. But before we start our service uh, this evening, let's just uh, take a moment Uh, to pause, uh, to steady our hearts, just be mindful uh, that we come into the presence of the one true uh, living God in this an act of worship. So let's just take a moment to close our eyes and let me pray for our time together this evening. Father, we pray that by your spirit you would be at work in our hearts this evening. Quieten the busyness of our minds And would you draw our eyes toward you? As we journey through the service this evening, warm our hearts with your love for us. Unstop our ears that we might hear you speak to us. And open our eyes to the truth of what you have done for us in and through the Lord Jesus. Draw us close to you this evening, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Right at the heart of our faith as Christians is the enormous truth uh, that we are called not to a set of rules, but rather we're called to a living and deep relationship with the one true God. Uh, Samantha has asked that we read Psalm 23. It's one of the prayers uh, in the Bible which helps to open up the nature uh, of our relationship with God. And it reveals uh, a number of things. It reveals, firstly, that God is not distant, but he calls us to intimacy. That God is not remote, but he cares for us. He knows us by name. That God is not a random force field, but he's the one who holds all things together in his hands, giving our lives meaning and purpose, and an eternal hope 
that we enjoy now and relish through death and into eternity. That God is not fickle, he's not arbitrary, he's not mean, but he's trustworthy, he's loving, and he's faithful. That's the God that reveals himself through scripture. That is the God that we come to worship this evening. So as I read Psalm 23 from a contemporary uh, writing of that, can I invite you just to close your eyes uh, and listen uh, as I read it? I think the words of this prayer capture well for Samantha so much of the goodness of God and of her trust in him that Samantha wants to acknowledge and give thanks for tonight. So as I read Psalm 23, remember that this is the God who has saved Samantha and offers salvation to all who would turn to him. Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. So why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. It's great to be able to baptize uh, Samantha this evening. And if you're a visitor here or you're not familiar with uh, Christian things, uh, you may wonder why we do this. And in particular, why we baptize people by completely immersing them uh, in water. There are three reasons why we think it's important uh, to be uh, baptized. Firstly, uh, because Jesus told us to do it. Uh, Before returning to heaven, Jesus said to his disciples, said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Secondly, because Jesus was baptized. Uh, He didn't need to be baptized. He was without sin. Uh, So he was obviously doing this to set us an example. So if Jesus thought it was important to be baptized, then it's important to be baptized. And thirdly, because the early church did it. Uh, When the Apostle Peter preached to the crowds at Pentecost on, if you like, the birth of the church, uh, 
the church realized that they needed to be forgiven their rebellion against God. And they asked Peter, what should we do? What should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But what's the purpose or the meaning of baptism? Uh, There's nothing magical about baptism. You don't become a Christian at the point you're immersed underneath uh, the water. Uh, Baptism is just a symbol, a dramatic representation of a spiritual reality that's already occurred in the heart of the believer. And it symbolizes uh, a couple of things. Uh, Firstly, it symbolizes that we have indeed been made clean, uh, not on the outside, but we've been washed through, if you like, on the inside. God has made us clean through what he has done in and through Jesus. And secondly, we're given new life. Uh, In the same way that Jesus died and then rose to life, uh, we too die to our old way of living and rise to our resurrected life, our new way of living uh, with the Lord Jesus. And so that's why we baptise through complete immersion to show the dying to the old ways we go under the water and then resurrected life as we are raised out of the water. So, can I invite Samantha and Val uh, to come up and share something about uh, the reason that she's putting her faith and trust in the Lord Jesus? I can't tell you, Samantha, what a thrill it is for us to be here this evening witnessing your baptism. And that and you and your witness are such an encouragement to all of us as a fellowship. And we're just thrilled for you this evening. And I actually think you've chosen a really good evening to go into that water. (laughs) But there may be some here that don't know you very well. So would you like to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yes, so... um I'm Samantha, I'm married to John, and I've got um, three children, Wilfred, who's getting some water somewhere, Walter, and Lavinia. Um, I was originally born in Derbyshire, um, where mum and dad are now, hopefully watching. Hi, mum and dad. And um, I started coming to um, the Baptist Church here about four years ago. So, Samantha, how did you first come to faith? Well, I was brought up going to Sunday school because that's what everybody did in our village if you were under 10. And I um, had a lovely time. We made lots of crafts every week. And I was also in the CAB choir. So I was actually in the CAB church singing at least two or three times a week. Um, weddings were great because you got 50 pence if you did a wedding. So I tried to do as many of those as I could. Um, but it was, it was just a way of life. It wasn't actually a Christian faith that I lived out. It was just something to do. Um, so in later life, when I had um, the children, we used to go to um, Cafe Sunday down the road because it was really easy to take, well, it was Walter and Wilfred in a pram, and um, I didn't have to go into a church And I didn't have to worry about a 12-month-old making lots of noise. And we used to do that. And we used to have a great time, didn't we? We had a really good time. And soon after um, I had Lavinia, um, about four years ago now, um, I needed an operation. And um, 
it all happened really quickly. Um, it wasn't meant to be a big serious operation, but I knew that I'd be out of action for a few weeks afterwards. And um, luckily, we'd got private health cover through work. Um, so I was seen really quickly, and an operation was booked for two weeks later. And at that time... John had already planned to be away. The children were very young, so my mum and dad came down to look after the children. And I, who absolutely hate hospitals with a vengeance, I really cannot stand them. I had all three children at home because I didn't want to be in a hospital. Um, ended up with a really nice private room. Um, so I was really ecstatic by the fact that I didn't have to be on a normal hospital ward and... So I went down for my operation and came out and I woke up in the room on my own. And um, I can remember not being able to move. I can remember being in a lot of pain and I can remember being hooked up to... It felt like everything that I could be hooked up to, I was. And um, I could move my head and I'd got, I could move my finger for help, but I couldn't move anything else. So um, it... It soon became clear that um, it was evening because I couldn't remember it being dark outside and most of the staff um, had, had left for the day. Um, and I remember being in absolute agony um, that I couldn't, I couldn't describe the level of pain that I was in. I'd have had all three children twice over and it would not have touched the, the pain that I was in. So um, I remember very clearly moving my finger and asking the bell and then coming in and saying what, what is it that you need and I'm like I, I'm, crying, I'm crying in pain and I remember having pushing that button a few times and each time saying there's nothing else we can do there's nothing else we can do and um, I can remember thinking um, I've just got to make it through the night I've got to make it through the night to see the children in the morning and I wasn't sure how I was going to do that and then I remembered that um, I don't know why, but Cafe Sunday had given the children Psalm 23 on a piece of card, which we'd had stuck on our fridge for months. I don't even know how long it'd been there. And I don't think I'd even properly looked at it, to be honest with you. But for some reason, it came to mind that if I was going to get through the night, I could try and remember what Psalm 23 said. Don't ask me why. Um, I'm sure there's lots of other things, birthdays or names, I don't know. But I, it just came to me, I had to remember Psalm 23. So I started with the first word, and then I started with the second word, and then I'd go back to the first word and get to the second word, and then I'd try and remember the third word. And I probably didn't get it right at all, and I probably didn't get past the first few verses, but it got me through the night. And I remember at five o'clock still in immense pain the nurses that had taken me down for the operation came back on duty and they put their heads around the door and they could immediately see how much pain I was in and um, they, said, they said to me they were so lovely and they said what can we get for you, how can we help we'll go and get you another doctor and I just remember saying to them don't worry about the doctor I just need a bible and that's what they did. They went and got me the Bible and then promptly got me the doctor. Um, and from there on in, I know that God carried me through the night. And I know that I saw the next morning to see the children and John and the rest of the family and to have the 
the grace of knowing God too. That was some challenge, wasn't it? But the last two or three years have, have brought different sorts of challenges to us, haven't they, during COVID? How has your faith grown during that time? A lot of prayer and a lot of trust. And I honestly believe that God's timing is perfect. And I honestly believe that he chose for me to come to faith when he did so that I could cover this last few years totally in faith. And then why, Samantha, are you being baptised tonight? I just want to show everybody how much God loves me, how much I trust him, and how much my faith means to me. I just want to share that with everybody. That's wonderful, isn't it? Thank you so much for sharing, Samantha. Let us come together in prayer for our sister, Samantha. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer. We thank you that you are with us now and love it when we talk to you. We thank you for your saving grace in Samantha's life. We thank you for her obedience to follow you and for the joy that you give her. Thank you for all that you have done and continue to do in her life that, can sh- that she can see your loving hand in each situation. We ask that you will help her as she continues to use the gifts that you have given her for your glory. Please help her to continue to grow in her knowledge and love of you. We thank you for the beautiful family that you have blessed her with. And we ask that you will help Samantha as she continues to serve you as a wife, mother and daughter. May her joy in you, Lord, be her strength. We thank you for your words in the Bible that say, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Thank you that you are with her and protecting her over the days ahead. Please help her to remember that and to walk closely with you. Strengthen her in the power of your might. Dress her in your armour so that she can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Set her mind on you. I pray the verses in Ephesians 3 over you. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Uh, In a moment, Shaz is going to come up and uh, read for us, and uh, Colin will uh, preach uh, to us as well after that. So let me uh, pray for them uh, and also for us. Heavenly Father, we pray for Shaz as she comes to read to us. Uh, We pray that she would read clearly and that your word would penetrate our hearts. We pray for Colin as he comes to preach. We pray that he would do so boldly, faithfully and winsomely. Help us to listen well and we pray that your life-giving word would land on the good soil of our hearts. Encourage us, convict us and draw us to yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Reading is from Matthew chapter 22, 
verses 1 to 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Amen. Good evening, evening everyone. It's good to be with you. Uh, let's pray as we come to God's word together. Father God, we thank you for your words. We thank you that it is food for our souls. And so we pray, Lord, that you would feed us, that we would come and feast on your word and be nourished by it. We pray that, Lord, if there are those who have yet to taste and see that the Lord is good, that they would experience his goodness tonight, that they would meet with you this evening. And we pray that you would do all this for your name's sake, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Perhaps one question that, that pops out of the passage which we've just read is this question. What is heaven like? What is heaven like? Lots of people uh, ask the question, but maybe aren't really sure of what the answer is. Is it like the the cartoons where you see the little cartoon characters with the harps floating on the clouds? Is it like some of the ancient artwork where you have the saints of old resting on clouds looking down, looking generally unhappy? Is it a place of just pure light and there's no darkness at all? A place of no sin, no evil, no death, no corruption, no injustice. Surely it's a place where God dwells, where the Lord Almighty himself is present. The king of all creation rests. Is that an accurate picture? As we ask, what is heaven like? Well, Enter, if you will, with me to Matthew chapter 22 as we think about that question. As Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, records Jesus' words as he lays out a parable. He lays out a parable giving one perspective of what the kingdom of heaven is like. As Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Because heaven is like a wedding banquet. 
a wedding banquet where everyone is invited. Whatever you're from or whatever you've done, you are invited to this banquet. As Jesus calls you to come, to come to the heavenly banquet. Come if you're religious, come if you're not, and come if you have nothing to wear. And so come to the heavenly banquet if you're religious. Jesus, he tells many parables throughout the New Testament so that people can start to think for themselves as to who they are in the story. They place themselves in the story as he starts to unfold the parable. In this parable, he speaks about different groups being invited by the king, that is God, to the heavenly wedding banquet for his son. And so the king sends out his servants to those who have been invited, and he tells them to come. Interestingly, they've, they've already had an invitation. And so they knew that the wedding was happening. They knew it was happening, and yet they refused to come. Then the king sends more servants, and he says to them, Tell those who have been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. As in Jewish custom, unlike ours, fat is good. The fattened cattle were the very best food. Fat is the best that you give to the Lord. And so it's not just beans on toast or a pot noodle, but it is a banquet, a banquet, a a wedding feast with extravagant generosity. And so the king calls his servants to go to those who have been invited and to join in this feast together. Because this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, a banquet. And what is the response to this wonderful invitation? Verse 5. They paid no attention and went off, one to his field and another to his business. Why would they do that? Why would they not want to come to the banquet? Well, it's fairly evident as you look at the surrounding context why that's the case. In chapter 1, Jesus, he he curses a, a fig tree a symbolic of a gesture of the, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, that they have turned their back on him, that they refuse him. As Christ came to his own, but his own did not receive him. And so it's made clear at, very, at the end of chapter 21 that Jesus is speaking both to Israel and to the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders of the day. These were the people who were invited, and yet they did not want to come. They refused to come. They refused because they thought, actually, they were good enough. They thought they were chosen people, God's chosen people. Their traditions were the things that got them into the kingdom of heaven. And as a result, they they busied themselves. They busied themselves with the the things of life, the practical things. And not only that, but they killed the servants of the king and thus bringing judgment upon themselves. As later in in history, the whole city of Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman army in 70 AD. And the invitation 
was to the chosen people of Israel. But they said no. Now for us tonight, none of us are first century religious leaders. And yet perhaps we might consider ourselves religious. Maybe you would consider yourself religious and therefore you might rely perhaps more on your traditions than on a personal faith with the Lord Jesus. And therefore you would refuse that free invitation of the heavenly banquet. Maybe you would attend church occasionally, perhaps even regularly. And from outward appearances, you seem like a very moral person, a good person. You don't get drunk. You're kind to people. You're generous. You do your best. You serve people wherever you possibly can. And yet, in so doing, you refuse the invitation of heaven offered by Jesus and prefer to to just display goodness, display your traditions. Maybe perhaps you even have read the Bible and yet you have yet to be changed by it. You have yet to be changed by the Spirit of God as you read the Word. Maybe you like church even and yet you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus yet. And so like the religious leaders, you just busy yourself. Things get busy. Life gets busy and you just fill it with other things because your faith hasn't really pierced your heart. It hasn't really impacted your life day to day. And so the invitation that Jesus gives is to come to the heavenly banquet, to have a relationship with him. And come if you are a religious person, if you're a traditional person, come to him and come if you're not a religious person as the king says to his servants the wedding banquet is ready but those I invited didn't deserve to come and so he says go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find as the invite goes out to those who are religious and they refuse it and so the servants are told to go to the street corners to find the good and the bad, that is, everyone from everywhere, and invite them. Invite them to the wedding that the whole wedding hall would be full of people, full of guests. Because the invitation to the wedding banquet in heaven is open to all, to all people. No matter your age, stage, background, whatever you've done, every single person is invited to that banquet, to that eternal banquet for the king's son so the whole of heaven would be filled with people from everywhere feasting as the invitation goes out to everyone Uh, yes you say but you don't really know me you don't know my life you don't know what's going on in my life how how can i be invited to heaven you don't know what I've done in my life. Maybe your, your thought is perhaps one of the, the same thoughts as one of my neighbors when I invited him to church. He said, I can't come to your church. The roof will fall in if I come into your church. I said, no, no, the church is for people just like you. Just like you and me. For everyone. Maybe 
Uh, you're like a lady I spoke to at a, at a rugby club who she knew me as a rugby player and then I came into ministry and when I told her I was in ministry, she stepped away from me <laughs> and said, oh wow, you have such faith, such a good thing, such a moral thing. I wish I had your faith, but I just feel just so ashamed even talking to you when I think of all the things that I've done in my life. Because in a sense, that's a, a natural response. That's an honest response. That I am unworthy. That I'm, I'm dirty. I'm, I'm too filthy to be invited into a brilliant banquet with a holy and perfect God. How can I possibly say yes to God? Because you don't know how filthy my mind is. You don't know how emotionally broken I am. The, the relationships I have that just do not work. The addictions that I struggle with. You don't know about my temper. You just don't know how, how unworthy I am. And the king says, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And you are invited. You are invited. And now come to the banquet. Come to the heavenly banquet with all of us. Trust in Jesus and enjoy that eternal banquet with him as one of God's people. This is what Samantha is testifying to this evening. That she belongs to one of God's people. Not because of what she's done, but because of what Jesus has done for her. That she would enjoy this banquet with Jesus forever. As the call is to come to the banquet, come if you are religious, come if you're not, and come if you've nothing to wear. In the last part of the parable, Jesus says uh, that the king came to see the guests and he notices that there's a man who's not wearing the right clothes. And so he asks him, he says, how did you get in here without the wedding clothes, friend? And it says the man was speechless. I suppose it's like uh, sitting on a train without a valid ticket. And I'm sure none of you have done that before. Sitting on a train without a valid ticket. And as you sit there looking out the window, like, looking at the lovely fields, you hear the cry, tickets, please. And your stomach sinks, so I'm told. <laughs> as the guilt comes upon you because your ticket isn't valid and you are guilty and you, and you wait for the penalty and this is the same with the man as the king tells his attendants to take the man tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in other words, the man who's not wearing the right clothes won't just not be allowed into heaven. He'll be thrown into a place of eternal darkness and torment. And that place is what the Bible calls hell. As Jesus says, many are invited, but few are chosen. 
But why hell? Maybe you think that that might seem very harsh. Why would you throw someone into hell and not heaven for wearing the wrong garments? Well, because in that day, the the wedding garments would have been given to the guests. They were provided. So no matter what background you came from, you were an equal. Whether you were rich or poor, slave or free, you were an equal. And the issue that, that Jesus is taking aim at here is that those who want to work their way into heaven by their own merits rather than relying on what God has done for them, they won't be allowed in. And maybe as you think about working towards something, working for God, maybe that's how you think that God works, that that transaction is like that with God. That on the final day when you meet the Lord on the day of judgment, that you'll say to him, Lord, I did my best. I didn't hurt anyone. I tried to do my best and help people wherever I could. Maybe you'll say, I just tried to live by the golden rule. Treat others as you would like to be treated. Maybe you think, I just need to earn my place at the table, Lord. Maybe you might say, well, God helps those who help themselves, don't they? Don't they? Well, the man who tried to get into the heavenly banquet by his own deeds, his own merit, teaches us that God doesn't actually help those. God doesn't help those who help themselves. God rejects those who try to help themselves. Because the only way to enter is to accept the free invitation. The free invitation of his righteous robes and enter the heavenly banquet with them. Accept his robes and leave yours. As the prophet Isaiah speaks about that, he says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adores his head like a priest. That is what we as Christians, for those trusting in Jesus, are robed in. The righteousness of Jesus Christ. And my friends, if you're not trusting in Jesus this evening, won't you do that tonight and wear his robes and not yours? Won't you come to him? Come to him to be washed clean of your guilt and your shame. To lay it, lay it down and to receive his robes of righteousness to turn to him, to receive what he has done for you. And just as Samantha is testifying to what Jesus has done in her life, that is what what Christ gives us, his righteous robes. And our invitation is, is only really possible because as you think of the parable, the people, they killed the servants of the king because our sins have put the king's son to death. Our sins nailed him to the cross. There he paid for our guilt and our shame in full. But not only did he die for our sins, but he was raised to new life 
raised to new life, that we would enjoy this invitation to come to the risen, ascended Lord and enjoy a banquet with him forever. We are invited to this ultimate wedding supper, as it speaks of in the last book of the Bible, in, the, in Revelation. The Apostle John, he says this, Then the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb, that is the sacrificial Lamb, Jesus Christ. We're not called to to lay down and to worship angels or saints. We're called to worship Jesus called to fall at his feet and worship him. This heavenly banquet is a wedding banquet prepared for the sun. And therefore, the call is to come and feast with Jesus, to enjoy Jesus Christ forever, today and forever, to enjoy all that he offers us, freely offers us and invites us to feast with him. He invites us to this heavenly banquet. The, answer, the question is, will you be there with him to enjoy it? Let me pray as we close our time. Heavenly Father, we are amazed at your grace towards us, that you invite us totally unworthy, that we would come into your presence and feast with you. Father, we thank you that we can look forward to that day, that wedding banquet with our Lord Jesus Christ, enjoying all his goodness. And we thank you, Lord, that Samantha has trusted in you and enjoy, enjoys that today and will enjoy that forever. We pray, Lord, for those who are yet to trust in you, who have yet to enjoy your goodness, that they would turn to you even tonight and enjoy a meal with the Lord. This we ask in your good and precious name. Amen. That's great. Please uh, do take a seat as we come to the baptism. If you can't see from where you're sat, please do gather around uh, the baptismal pool uh, so you have a clear view. If the children want to come around, please do. They can kneel around just to make sure that the camera's still visible. Come on in close if you want. I don't bite. Sometimes. You good? Well, Samantha, it's a real pleasure to be able to to baptize you this evening. Real joy. Let me read uh, one of the verses that you've chosen from uh, Psalm 23, as we heard read earlier. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Samantha, I'm going to ask you uh, three questions, just as we uh, think of, of baptizing you and you testifying of what Jesus has done for, your, for you. Um, Samantha, firstly, 
Uh, do you trust in Jesus Christ as your saviour? I do. And, and secondly, do you promise to, to follow him as your Lord? Absolutely, I do. Good news. <laughs> well, Samantha, I gladly baptise you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. pray for you before you go. Uh, Father God, we thank you for uh, Samantha, for her life, and we thank you that as we think of those, uh, that verse, that the goodness of the Lord will follow her all the days of her life, that that would be true, as she has died to her old self in Adam and been raised to new life in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Uh, That does uh, bring us uh, to uh, the end of our service. And what a service it's been, an amazing uh, reminder uh, to those of us who believe that the God that we worship is a God who saves, he's a God who transforms, he's a God who moves us from death to life, a God who calls us and knows us by name. And if you're here this evening and you're not trusting in the Lord Jesus, it's great that you're here, Um, and, and maybe these words are for you as uh, as we were reminded today, we are invited to this feast. Come and feast. Amazing grace. The grace is extended to you. You may be lost or think you're lost, but the Lord welcomes you. Turn to him. And as you journey through the service, if you have questions, please do chat to Colin or to Neil or to myself. Uh, If you've got questions, bigger questions, uh, why not grab one of these eyewitness testimonies of the life and death of Jesus Christ and read it, our gift to you. And I'd love to read it with you. So if that's something that uh, appeals, uh, then please, please have a chat with me afterwards. So some words just to close our service. Jesus, Son of God, our true and only Saviour, you died like a criminal on a cross, But you are God who forgives. Once broken, helpless and in pain, you are God in whom there is hope. You have shown us a love beyond words. Send us out to live for you, knowing and trusting in your forgiveness, your hope and your love. Amen.